0: Welcome back everyone to episode six of How We Bounce Back. We have a very special guest over the airwaves this evening. She's a proud ambassador of the American Heart Association, Real Women 2021. She's studying for a doctorate of occupational therapy through 2023. She advocates raising awareness about women's heart health. So you better get out there and get those steps in. Even if it's a walk down the block to get some tacos, burgers, or pizzas, any exercise is better than no exercise. She is none other than Devin Brzezinski. Hello. How are what's, you? What's going on, Devin? Thanks for coming <laughs> on to the show. What's new with you these days?
1: Not too much. I just wrapped up my um, my summer semester, and I'm on a two-week break. So hanging out.
0: <laughs> hanging out. Going on vacation. We talked about this. You were on a boat yesterday, so I thought you weren't going to make it to this podcast episode. So I had to- <laughs> Had to double check, but just, I'm sure you're just enjoying the nicer weather these days.
1: Yes, absolutely. My family has a beach house on Long Beach Island. So we're hanging out, we're, yeah, I've been tanning, just going out on the boat, doing whatever I can to decompress and relax before this next semester starts up.
0: (laughs) So Devin, I know a lot of your friends and family are familiar with the work you've done in the past few months, but can you share with the audience what you do now and why you like what you do.
1: What I do now is I am a student and I'm getting my doctorate degree in occupational therapy. So my, my goal is to help people live better, longer lives as being an occupational therapist is doing that advocacy work because so many people don't know what it is. And they think, oh we're like pt but not and or they think that we help people get back to their jobs because mm-hmm. that's what you think when you when the term occupation comes up mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. occupational therapy helps you do what you need to do or that you want to do throughout your day mm-hmm. and it runs like from when you're born to up until you die so it's a really broad occupation or career, which makes it very confusing to a lot of people. But essentially we help people if a lot of, traditionally it's in the rehab setting. So if somebody had a heart attack or a stroke or a traumatic brain injury, or they have cerebral palsy um, as a child. And so helping them accomplish what they need to do throughout the day, such as um, getting dressed, going to the bathroom, showering, making meals, going grocery shopping. So it's everything that encompasses your day. And so if there's any like barriers that get in the way, how can OT either help you rehab to get back to doing that? Or can we potentially modify the environment or modify the, um, modify the task itself? So That's really where I'm in school to learn how to do all of um, what occupational therapists can do. And then I don't know what's going to evolve from there. Um, And I currently on the side, I'll teach yoga and I'll personal train um, just to, you know, pay some bills, pay some groceries and stuff. (laughs) But that's pretty much what I'm doing these days.
0: I'm sure that's just very fulfilling to get people back up on their feet after I'd gone through a serious illness or, you know, like you just named uh, some of it. Um, I'm I'm not saying that I know anyone, but I'm familiar with stories, especially given we're in the current pandemic where there's a lot of COVID patients that have been yeah. intubated for a long time and yep. they recover, but they need to relearn how to walk, how to put, like you said, get dressed, you know? And so um, is that part of the curriculum of what you're doing? Is that to also manage those that have been through COVID because that's a new thing, you know. Of course, yeah. like it's people are uh, also recovering from uh, heart attacks, strokes. Everything is very serious. Um, but with yeah. giving with COVID, is that different, or is that also just so, something similar as to any other illness that people have gone through?
1: No, you bring up a, a great point. I was thinking it before you said it. So, um, yeah, so people that are recovering from COVID, a lot of times their muscles are really fatigued. They feel fatigued themselves. So doing a lot of mobility type work and working on endurance and things like that to help um, get patients back to functioning regularly. Um, so one of my one of my good... Um, friends who's a family member um or distant family member, she um she had COVID and she just felt <clears throat> she felt extremely fatigued for like months afterwards. And she usually I'll I'll do a weekly yoga class and her name's um, Erica. And so she texted me and she said, you know, can we do just a 10-minute yoga session together and I really want to start moving and start stretching a little bit, but I'm not really sure what I can do with how fatigued I get because she was like walking around throughout her day and she was exhausted by the end of the day um, or midday and would have to take several breaks. So we actually worked a lot on breath work and doing more breathing exercises. And then we did incorporate a little bit of light stretching with um, so movement while focusing on breathing at the same time. And that really helped her. So occupational therapy definitely plays a role. But I think that yoga also has a big influence in, in helping people recover from COVID.
0: Sorry to hear about that with your um, distant family, um, family member, family relative friend, um, but glad that you're able to uh, bring them back to a more uh, place of normalcy, you know, given uh, Even if you do recover from COVID, it's a long battle, you know, and it's like, you know, a way of life. And even like you just said, breathing might not be uh, the same, but uh, Mm -hmm. maybe that yoga piece also did help from a mental health standpoint as well, you know, and just bring the any anxiety or stress down from, you know, the um, what she was going through. But yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think what you're doing is almost just as essential as the frontline healthcare workers, you know, especially for those that trying to, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but bounce back, you know, from, yeah. you know, where, where they, a terrible place that they were, you know, while they were hospitalized. So, um, all good stuff. I'm sure you're really excited for that long journey ahead after you get out of uh, grad school. Twenty twenty three is a, a far away from now, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, let's talk about like, you're uh, like leading up to that, the road getting there. You know, we've known each other for a few years when we yeah. lived in DC and Northern Virginia, we shared some mutual friends here and there. I believe, well, we talked about this. You moved to Philly couple years ago, you know, I'm sure the Philly cheesesteaks got dry, you know, you're now out of there, but, (laughs) (laughs) but now I want to ask, you know, um, where, where you, where you settle now? Um, You know, we're, we're obviously you're in school. So are you, are you close by school? Are you doing remote? Like, uh, uh, can you share with the audience uh, where, where you're at?
1: Sure. I currently live in Fishersville, Virginia, which is a very small town. It's about 30 minutes south of Harrisonburg and 30 minutes west of Charlottesville. So I live like a stone's throw away uh, from the actual campus itself, wow. Wow. which is very convenient. Mm-hmm. So we could just walk to class and I live with two other girls that are in the OTNPT program. And it's a lot of fun. There's a, a, I would say the majority of us all live in that apartment complex that go to the, the school together um and yeah, my family is still up in New Jersey. So when I'm home for break, like I am now, I'll I'll head back up to Jersey, and yeah, so that's where I currently am.
0: Nice Virginia or New Jersey. <laughs> very cool in grad school, less distractions being out there, right, than being in a very uh you know uh, a major city or wherever. But then yeah. going up to New Jersey, you just got to make that little dodge Philly a little bit to go see your parents. So <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. And you, you asked um, if we are virtual or in person and we're kind of a combo of both. Ah. So because we have our program is very interdisciplinary. Yeah. So, and it, yeah, it's really hands-on too. So yeah, we'll have kinesiology and anatomy labs for instance, Um, we had to be physically in the lab with 12 human cadavers and dissect them. So we had to split up. There's about 60 of us in the OT and PT programs, but only 30 were allowed in the lab at a time because of COVID. So they split us up into lab A and lab B. Um, and same thing with a few other classes that we have that are all just interdisciplinary. We also work together with the physician's assistants and we're getting a nurse practitioner program too. So, um, I don't know what that's going to look like as far as if we have classes with them or not, but yeah. So all of those classes that, um, we could, as if we could be in person, we were in person. Um, but if not, you know, the hour long lectures or something like that. We would mainly be online. Right. So yeah. kind of half and half. But I'll be interested to see what happens now that they've the CDC's come out and said, you know, if you're vaccinated that you can be in in person, in an establishment and not have your mask on. So we'll see. Maybe this fall will be maskless, mm-hmm. which will be kind of weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, it will. Yeah, it will feel weird. But it seems like vaccine is working. Cases are going mm-hmm. down across yep. the, the country. Uh, hoping the world also, I know it's different around the world, so hoping everything gets better. Um, you know, in other countries, but um, you're in a profession where you're hands on, you know, definitely got to be there in person. Glad that the hybrid uh, model is working still successfully for you uh, in your first year of learning. But Mm -hmm. you mentioned nurse practitioner, those, those folks, that's like the front line. That's the, like pretty much the assistant doctor to uh, to (laughs) the doctors in the, in the unit, in the ice, like an ICU, you know, I'm very, Obviously, I'm a little bit familiar with that. So maybe right. you get to see what they have to go through as they hand the patient over to OT and, and whatnot. But um very cool that um it seems like you're very hyper-focused, you're engaged with what you're doing, you like what you're doing, and uh I'm sure you know it's only gonna keep going up from here. Hopefully it's not getting too much more uh busy like when you return to class. But you know, like you said, like we said before the podcast interview, as long as we you know, really love and feel passionate about what we want to do, we're gonna, it's, it's doesn't even, it's not even work anymore. And you're helping other people. So yeah,
1: yeah. And like we said earlier, like, now that I'm older, I just appreciate it so much more than mm-hmm. if I would have been 22, 23 going through the program. So yeah. it's been, it's been a really great experience so far. It's
0: amazing. All right, Devin, well, I'm going to throw some random icebreaker questions at you. I think <laughs> you're kind of ready for this, but here's one I found. We grew up in an era of technology, pop culture, crazy trends, social media. In 40 years from now, what do you think society will be most nostalgic for?
1: Ooh, most nostalgic? Like how we were nostalgic for Polaroid Pictures. Oh, okay. And now they're coming back.
0: They are, So,
1: hmm, maybe the flip phone. Yeah, okay. You you do kind of see some companies now um, with the semi-flip phones, you know. Uh, I think Samsung has one out. Um, Yeah, I feel like flip phones... And then maybe some sort of I don't know some some sort of like like app one of the first apps that was developed but maybe they make it like a retro version or something.
0: Oh, oh, they bring back MySpace or Zanga, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: make it into an app.
0: Yeah. They, they bring uh, a new form of TikTok or curator videos on like yeah, space. Yeah. So couldn't even imagine top eight <laughs> swiping up them down the top eight selection. I don't know. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: I'm going to throw you another one as a child. Right. What do you think would be awesome about being an adult, but isn't as awesome as you thought it would be? <laughs> Hmm. You're like I got a list. Ten, a list I have of a whole of list. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. paying yeah. rent, doing all laundry, <laughs> uh, having a job that you have to go to every day. La- laundry, <laughs>
0: laundry definitely takes the cake right there. Or sitting in traffic. Yeah,
1: sitting in. Tra- yeah, sitting in traffic. No one tells you about that when you're little. Yeah. Uh, yeah, paying the bills, and no, and just like knowing how to adult.
0: everything about adulting is kind of stressful (laughs) let
1: someone else do it for us
0: yeah yeah (laughs) i hear you so you're saying we need to hire like some sort of assistant or something like i don't take care of this please yeah yeah
1: i need a personal assistant with me that's not my parent (laughs) but that's going to direct me where i need to go (laughs) yeah for sure all good answers
0: all right, Devin, before we dive into the career-related questions, let's play this new game I found, Lightning Scavenger Hunt. I will describe four items that we that I want both of us to find in our apartment or house. For example, I'll mention to you something like this. Find something red, find your favorite mug, and then grab your favorite picture frame, and then grab a snack from the pantry. Then we will have two minutes to go around our apartment or house to gather the items. We'll come back to our screens and then showcase what we have. You can bring back anything funny or meaningful to you. does that all make sense? and all sounds good? I know it's a new game, Devin, but uh I think uh I think it's kind of straightforward. What do you think?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm ready for it.
0: All right, all right, <laughs> okay, cool. So this is what we both have to grab, and i'm I wasn't prepared for this, so don't think like I have like you camera can see I don't have it already right now, but um here are the four I things
1: I had a mug. <laughs>
0: Well, that's not one of them. <laughs> so I had to swerve a little bit right here. But here's the four things we're gonna have to grab. Number one, grab your favorite condiment in the fridge. Okay. Two, Find something that's green. That might be easy. Three, find your favorite picture with your friends. That might be hard because you're in your parents' house. So, um, but if you have that in your iPhone, you can just you know pop it right up okay and uh number four wear the most unused hat you can find oh man (laughs) all right Devin I know we got everything it was 120 seconds two minutes to run around the house to grab our stuff so let's go ahead and showcase kind of a show and tell of uh, what we got so the first thing first thing was grab your favorite condiment in the fridge. What you got over here, Devin, behind curtain number one?
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Oh,
0: that's a classer right there. Or I any other kind of hot
1: that. sauce. Yes. But, yeah. Okay. Like what I was you telling you, me, my mom like dates all of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's
0: making steering clear from the expiration date. Love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We better be safe than sorry, yeah. So what do you put, what do you use at Frank's Hot Sauce? What do you all put that on? You know, a Steak, fried, fried chicken, some wings, what you got?
1: Oh, yeah, wings. I mean, I'll mainly put them on, like, eggs, um, like, any kind of, like, breakfast sandwich. That's yeah. probably my go-to. Or any type of, like, Mexican dish, any type of hot sauce. Um, yeah, that's definitely my go-to with the with the hot sauce
0: nice nice okay mm-hmm. well i got something similar then for the favorite condiment in the fridge and you can tell because it's kind of already like you know to the bottom but it's sriracha mayo right oh, here yeah. <laughs> so i know everyone loves sriracha but it's a mix with the mayo i think they use this a lot at you know um uh, like kava right you know for a lot of the Mediterranean food Greek food so yeah. I put this on eggs I put this on chicken I put this
1: on sandwiches <laughs> tacos same thing <laughs> yes or well especially the Frank's Red Hot with um, buffalo chicken dip
0: oh yes that now that actually is required ingredient for the buffalo chicken dip I believe oh yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. along with the ranch and the chicken yes I definitely mm-hmm. know, know what you mean there yeah. Okay. All right, let's open current number two. Uh, we asked to find something that's green. What do you have here, Devin?
1: Something green. Yeah. A ball. The world is that? Is that medicine ball or a. It's hand just ball? A, a, like a, a chew toy for my dog. Oh, uh,
0: okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> it looked like a grenade for a second. And I oh was my like, God. what are you doing with that? <laughs> no,
1: no, no, no. Um, no, my, my dogs obsess over that toy. And so they will just keep fetching it nonstop all night long. Uh, and it was the first green thing I saw. So, you know, I was like, we use this every day. <laughs> nice. Okay. So very, very sentimental to our, our family with our dogs.
0: Nice, nice is that is that toy hard to break you know how with dogs when they're chewing on things and that toy lasts a week you know yeah
1: yeah i mean they they i mean i guess they're not huge chewers when it comes to balls i guess uh, like they love bones but with balls they just they just immediately come back and well the one the the older one he can't run anymore he can barely walk so but the uh, the little one he'll just he'll run after it Grab it and then come right back, and he'll drop it. So. Oh my gosh! Okay. Yeah. So
0: that's an effective toy. <laughs> it brings exactly. A- <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's let's go to current number three. Um, I, we asked to find your favorite picture with your friends. Uh, what do you have here, Devin?
1: So because I'm at my parents' house, I have a plethora of pictures to pick from, um, and I found a whole album. <laughs> when yeah. me me and my best friend Kelsey, growing up um we used to like match clothes and stuff um and so let me find the the one picture cuz all of these are hidden gems um but <laughs> uh, this one we we just decided to, you know, get dressed up one day with all these random things in my uh, my parents' closet, and we decided to be nerds.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> wow, that's a, you should reinvent that as a Halloween costume. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that was that was a really fun time. <laughs> I'm sure. All my dad's outfits, of course.
0: Yeah, nerd okay.
1: and not us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Very, very 80s going to a law office type of yeah.
1: thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hear you with that. Okay. Um, mine, uh, you know, I have, we have the cell phone recording right now. So all my 50,000 photo album pictures are stuck in there. So I had to <laughs> rip a picture from the fridge, right? And so you can only imagine. That's all the photo booth pictures, right, Over you know, weddings, events and whatnot. So this is one that I think maybe some of the people are watching. I got one from uh, I don't know if you know her, but this is Brittany the news of Brittany Owing's wedding and oh you know, yeah. Some familiar faces in here. It's kind of reflective right now, but you can see Austin Brown right here. Yeah. Uh, this is Ovana, there's Paige, there's uh, Brad somewhere right there. I don't know who that is. <laughs> so maybe this night might be my favorite picture. <laughs> but you can see me there right there. So yeah, just want to... Oh, that's awesome. A good time with them. Yeah, Looks like so a fun. great time. Yeah. All right, let's go to uh, curtain number four, the final curtain. Uh, wear the most unused hat you can find.
1: Unused hat I could find is my Long Beach Island hat. Oh,
0: you better <laughs> start like, rocking that! That's a nice it, color. It's like eighties, like, retro.
1: It doesn't fit. At the same oh. time, like there's a bunch of space up here.
0: Okay. So yeah. my
1: cousin and I actually um, we figured out that I have like a child size head, so I can fit into the youth size baseball oh. caps.
0: Aww. Oh. <laughs> it was just
1: a tad bit too big for me okay <laughs> but okay. very unused
0: okay well I, I don't know I might have to um, you know send you my dress after this you can ship that over to us if it's unused yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I like the
0: retro to it yeah <laughs> thank like you it. nice color um, let's see um, what did we say we said find the most unused hat I have yeah. here a um, I gotta put it on first you know oh man this is not even my hat this is uh rosemary's hat but it ain't no (laughs) one using it It only used one time i don't even know how to put this on oh my gosh what kind of hat is it i'll just put it like this it's it's a yoshi hat yeah there you go Yeah, and I can't even put the strap around you you right even, now. Yeah, you can't even press <laughs> on the button. It was only one time Halloween costume. But I was I don't gonna know. say yeah. If
1: I already guess,
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe if there's a place to go Mar- Mario Kart up in Orlando. I know they got one in Tokyo. I'll wear this one right here. <laughs> Bring some bananas with me. Um, I mean, I believe I missed the uh, or did we did we uh, read the the green one yet? I don't think we did that yet.
1: The green one, yeah, the ball. Okay. The ball okay
0: you i need to show you though. yeah i need to show you what i have for the green one uh we talked about how laundry is definitely the number one thing that we weren't looking forward to growing up i mean i do gotta stack it up with the gain right now oh you my know. gosh yeah, yeah. There you go. yeah original <laughs> aroma you know don't want to do like the oxyclean where you know it might shrink the shirt so i gotta be Careful with it, but you know, this this is it right here, you know, running it up every week. So
1: get the gains (laughs) with the gain.
0: Get the gain with the gain. Yeah, (laughs) there there you go. All right. I think that covers all uh, that was that was actually pretty fun. (laughs) Yeah, I liked that. (laughs) All right, cool, cool. All right, Devin, let's get into the most important story of the hour. Rather than me ask you questions, we hope to hear you dive into your story on heart health and raising awareness for that, especially for women. So, Devin, with that, I'm going to turn the floor over to you because I know you have a powerful story to share.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, so when I was six months old, when I was still in my mom's um, belly, they actually found out that I was going to require um, heart surgery or have a couple of different issues with my heart. And So that sent my parents into a spiral of lots of questions and like any other parent would, you know, what's the prognosis? What's my quality of life after surgery? If they went through with it and they decided at first to just start giving me medications every day. But when it really came down to it, they were unsure if I would require surgery in the future. And they wanted to be as proactive as they could. So they spoke to a lot of doctors and they got different opinions and they said, you know what, even though it's a scary decision, we're going to do the right thing and move forward with the surgery. My gosh. And yeah, they, they, um, they definitely advocated for me a ton, um, because they essentially put together the team of doctors that would, the cardiologists that would do my surgery um, the technicians that would work on me after my surgery, because after, um, after I did have the surgery, I had to go once a week, I think to get an echo and an EKG and all of the, the typical tests to make sure that the surgery was successful and, there wasn't as much leakage as they thought that there would be. So yeah, they they essentially like put this dream team, the Avenger team together. Oh good. <laughs> and um, but they knew that I would have an well they sorry, let me backtrack there. They they knew who to reach out to because they had lost a daughter already to heart disease and her name was Jessica and she was born on Christmas day 1988 um and she was born jaundiced and the physician said you know take her home she'll be okay come back tomorrow and we're going to do some routine tests and all that and so they did. And when they brought her back, when she was at the doctor's office, she went into cardiac arrest. And so my parents were obviously very distressed and they had no idea what was going to happen. And this was in New Jersey. They said, our medical team isn't equipped to handle this situation. We need to fly her to Um, or transport her to Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. And my dad even said on the ride there, the technicians and everybody that was uh, transporting her said to say your goodbyes now, just in case she doesn't make it. So that was extremely um, devastating, stressful. We were just talking about stress. Um, That was uh, a really traumatic moment for my parents and she did survive the, the transport there. And she went to, she went under a lot of different tests. She was just really, um, really weak and, um, her heart and, um, and her lungs. So they put her on a ventilator because she was having a really hard time breathing and she was on the ventilator for several months. And then they decided to do alternate treatment and she was four months old when they, they took her off of the ventilator to try this new treatment, but she still wasn't strong. Her lungs weren't strong enough to um, handle the situation. So she ended up becoming brain, brain dead. So when that happened, they had to obviously pull the plug. And, um, but through, through that devastating loss, like I said, they really networked and made connections with really good quality people at children's. So then when I required surgery, they reached out to those same, same group of people and said, we want you to do our surgery and the surgeon, he said, this is like, this is easy for me. Why do you want me to do it? And my parents said, because we already lost a daughter and you knew her and we trust you. So we really want you to do Devon surgery. So he agreed. Um, and I'm really thankful for that because the... The medicine back then in the nineties was nothing that it is today. And they just didn't know a lot about what my quality of life would be after I had the surgery. And the doctors thought that I would have down syndrome or other uh, physical delays when I was growing up, but I ended up being extremely okay. And turns out, and I actually, um, they told me that or told my parents that I would never play sports and I might not have the same physical activity as somebody that didn't have a congenital heart defect. So, um, my parents decided that they were going to introduced me to as many sports as I wanted to play. They weren't going to force me to do it, but they said, if if Devin's interested in it, like, why not? What's, what's the harm? And I wound up playing soccer, basketball, and lacrosse when I was growing up pretty competitively, I would say. Um, right. And I'm a pretty good runner, pretty good sprinter, played on the track team, And then I played club lacrosse at JMU for a couple of years too. So, um, I definitely said like, screw you to my diagnosis and I persevered. And I, I think the, like the, the biggest thing for me is that I never grew up thinking that I was different from somebody else. Or anyone else? My only recognition of it was the scar that's down my chest, and so obviously when you're in middle school and high school, those are like the most vulnerable times of your life, and you're just trying to like figure out who you are, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of peer pressure, and there's a lot of bullying that goes on, and so. I got really insecure about my scar when I was in middle school and um, I ended up covering it up. I wore tankinis to the beach. And then when I started getting older, I kind of said, well, screw this. I'm going to wear the bikini because I want to wear the bikini. And hopefully people will it's probably terrible to say, but I was like, hopefully people will just notice my boobs and not the scar, you know? (laughs) So um, I would say that a lot of people that are similar to me growing up um, to really embrace your differences. And even if you're, if you don't, even if you don't have a congenital heart defect, it's, it's scary and it's, Um, like I said, it's a vulnerable time. You don't want to stand out when you're that age. You want to try to fit in and, um, and be cool. But I think what our, our differences really set us apart. So I'd say like embrace your scars, embrace your differences.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. First of all, I had, I'm sorry to hear that about your older sister. Um, I just got chills. I did not expect that to come. Um, when we were discussing and preparing for the podcast uh, convo. Um, but again, I'm really sorry to hear about, about your sister and what your parents had went through. And, Thank you. you know, um, but the the way that you've lived throughout your life and knowing that you had the, um, you know, of course you had the surgery and then knowing that you had been diagnosed with congenial heart disease when you were young and a baby and defying all odds and literally defying any anything what the doctor said, I feel like maybe it was also, you know, not only just you really guiding yourself and being strong minded and strong willed, having tough skin throughout, you know, again, our teenage years, I think it might've been also your older sister guiding you through that time as well. You know, you know, she's definitely watching out for you and guiding you and, you know, like look where you, you are today. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, it's so powerful how you say to embrace scars because a lot of people tend to, you know, push that to the side or forget about it or just, you know, but then it's like, you know, it, it can turn into a wound that just creeps back up down the road in years, but you've lived it and you've, you, you're living with it every day and allowing it to be there with you. Um, I think there's a quote that I've, I've heard, I've seen, which, you know, actually this might not be on the, um, Podcast, but I follow. I watched This Is Us, and I see you follow some of <laughs> some of the actors on Instagram. I'm like, all right, Devin, watch this show too. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, what, I saw,
1: what's the quote?
0: <laughs> uh, okay, so you you you're
1: multiple. Seasons. I watch it. I watch
0: it too. All right. So if uh you know if the audience watches this show or some of you. Um, By the way, it's the eighth most viewed show last year in all of network television. So don't think this is a show that has blown over on NBC. Yeah, so go watch it. It's on Hulu, all right? Um, (laughs) But anyways, um, and I, I, it's sort of not let, let's not let the, you know, I think the trick is, is to not let the times of the tragedies and the happy times distant from each other, but kind of let them cozy up to one another.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: and then that's the way that we'll be able to, you know, I'm probably going to botch this quote right now, but paraphrasing, that's the way that we'll be able to cope with this pain and understand and live with it and embrace sort of what you just said right now, embrace it, you know, yeah. and scar will always be there, you know, but it's a matter of keeping that scar stronger than the original um, flesh that was there, right? Yeah. I think that is what you have pretty much gone through with your whole life, with the heart surgery, going through the sports, defying odds. You know, accepting everything you're. You know, the way you know you live and the way your your appearance is, and now you're an advocate for it, which is just incredible. Like wow! And so, um, I don't want to say too much more, but I'm really blown away by your story, Devin. I really, oh. really. It's me to a personal level. so
1: Thank you. That really means a lot. Like I said before, I've grown up with heart disease. So I feel like a lot of times when someone has something traumatic happen to them, they have a me before the incident and then whatever happens and then it's me after the incident. And I just feel like this has been my whole life is living with heart disease. And I don't know anything different, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I talk to other heart disease survivors, we can absolutely relate. Um, but there's just something a little bit different when it comes to living your entire life with a disease yeah. versus... You're, you live 30 years, you live 50 years, however long it is, and then you have to change something in your life. So I I definitely, um, I sympathize for people that have to, like if they've had heart disease happen to them at age 35 or 40 or whatever age, and they have to kind of revamp their their life and change aspects of like how they were day-to-day functioning, that's really hard. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just grew up. So I guess what I'm saying is I sometimes I downplay my Mm -hmm. disease and I don't think that it's anything crazy or special because I've just, that's my status quo. That is my normal is just living with heart disease, but in all of the volunteer work and advocacy that I've been doing, I feel like I've been able to make a difference in a lot of people, people's lives. So that's why I continue sharing my story is because I feel like it's important to do so. Um, especially with kids that are growing up and they're having those insecurities of their scar, and they don't know if they should hide it or show it. And uh, I just feel like a lot of girls can relate to what I'm going through and and guys too. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's really why I do what I do.
0: I also want to, I'm glad, of course, you acknowledge, uh, you know, those that have seen like, you know, a detriment to, you know, their mental health side, because they had seen the before and after, right? So sort of like with you, like you acknowledge, like, well, it's always been there. So it's almost like, it's like having it is normal, which is so crazy to say. And so, right. <laughs> um, you know, let's go back to also what your parents had done. I don't want to, you know, like, you know, we have to mention, like, this is like what they had gone through was very traumatic experience with your older sister now they knew absolutely everything possible what to do the right doctors the per- the doctor surgeon that says like this is easy they were like okay we want you to say that you know <laughs> they had to make sure like a hundred percent that this is gonna make it right by you yeah. and so i would definitely want to just you know acknowledge that you know especially a parents that um you know clearly your mom and dad they they love you so much and they you know, from the beginning, they looked out for you. And like, they didn't want you to also like, you know, go through something later on, right? Mm -hmm. I think maybe a thing here also is like tackle it early, you know, rather than wait for it later. So
1: yeah. And I also I didn't mention this, but um, after I was born, and I had my surgery, and I was healthy, my parents got pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And they ended up having a miscarriage about six months in, And she also, it was another girl and she had heart disease as well. So my parents were so confused because they, there was no history of heart disease in our family and they have no idea why. And usually um, one in every 100 babies is born with a congenital heart defect and 10,000 babies every year require heart surgery so that just that statistic alone my parents had 3 kids wow. and 100% of them required surgery or had congenital heart disease. So it was um it was very eye opening to my parents and my family I think that they took their health a little bit ser- more serious than they did in the past. Mm-hmm. Um And it's just, it's something that we're continuing to, to watch as, especially as I get older and I want to start having kids. Um, my parents and I were just talking about this the other day, my real women class within the American heart association. So many of those women had, um, had a heart attack when they were giving birth or right after they were giving birth my gosh. and cause there's just so much physical stress on the body yep. when you deliver. So that's something that when I eventually get married and, and want to have kids, it's a conversation that I'll have to have with my cardiologist, with my gynecologist or obstetrician and making sure that my heart, because I'm already, I already have heart disease, how that's going to look when I have kids and can I have kids even maybe that's, that's the first question. Um, but yeah, it's just, that's why I always preach to just stay extremely proactive, stay on top of it. Um, because your health is extremely important. And nobody else is going to advocate, advocate for you. Mm -hmm. So you need to do it yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, what do I need to do to get strong? What do I need to do to lose weight? Or what do I need to do for the best heart health? And it really is just dependent. So you even just said it, it's part genetics. It's things that you can't change those predisposing factors of Mm -hmm. um, your genetics, where you live, um, the pollutants that you're, introduced to. Um, and then it's, those are the things that you can't necessarily change or they're hard to change. And then there's the changeable factors of, okay, what's my diet? Like, what's my like my exercise? Um, what's, uh, what are other mental strengthening capabilities do I have? Like, do I like you, when we're talking about stress management and reducing that, like you can work on breath work and meditating and different techniques that could help to reduce your heart rate. Um, and it's tricky because we don't really, we don't, the, our blood pressure and our heart rate, that's all part of the autonomic nervous system. So that's just something that happens naturally. To us, right? Like we don't have to think about breathing. We don't have to think about our heart rate. Our bodies just do it for us. And that's great. Cause otherwise I think we would all be in like extreme panic mode if we right. constantly thought of our heart rate and our, our blood pressure. Um, but because we're not aware of it and that's why I like to wear like my Fitbit to check in on what my heart rate is um, and how many steps I'm getting per day, because you just don't have those metrics easily available to us on a daily basis. And that's why I continue to go to all of my like routine checkups for my primary care. Just to make sure like, like you were saying, your blood pressure making sure that that's under control, your cholesterol, your, um, all the routine blood tests and and what they look for in, in your blood. Um, so yeah, I think they're extremely, extremely important.
0: Well, I think this all ties into where you're at today. We already talked about it, you know, But getting in, uh, getting to doctorate school, you know, occupational therapy, I'm sure that was just tough. Just get you know, getting into a doctorate, you know, school just above a level of master's. That's hard for anyone, but you're in it now, you know? And so I wanted to ask, you know, uh, were there challenges trying to get into that, you know, into that uh, field or getting into those studies? Like, um, you know, I'm sure uh, it's a very competitive to get into uh, OT school. Uh, can
1: you dive into that? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in it to win it now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, the, the struggle of getting accepted to programs. I mean, it's real that when I was applying back in, I guess, 2013, it was um, 800 applicants for 30 spots. And I don't know what the, the exact ratios are now, but I had a, um, a chat with one of the admissions professor, or admissions directors. And I, I said, you know, one of my goals when I graduate is I would like to be a professor or at least an ad, a professor of some sort, maybe an adjunct, or if it's not full time. And I said, because I feel like we are lacking professors within occupational therapy to actually teach. And she said, well, some of that is, is true, but in reality it's the actual space, the building space itself and how many students can be in one location at once. And right now the demand is extremely high for OT and PT and, Um, the other health professions, but the fear is that schools create a bigger building and then 20 years down the road, nobody wants to do OT or no one wants to do PT. And that building space is now vacant. So it's more of a business decision more than anything else, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, but the entire process to apply, it's a year-long process. Um, so I applied in June. Interviews start in September timeframe. They can go up until March of the following year. And then schools every school is different as far as what their timeline is. But schools mainly start in June of the following year. And when I had applied, I, the first couple of times around, I just threw out my applications. I took the GRE, not really actively studying for them. And I said, all right, I did it. I applied and I sat around and I waited and I got denials and then I got waitlisted and I never got off of the waitlist. And I was always wondering why. And I was living in Alexandria and or Arlington, but I was working in Alexandria and you know how expensive Nova is making like $15 an hour and working my butt off and I wasn't getting into school And so at that point, I was like, you know what? I need to make a transition. I need to do something. And I was talking to my really good friend, Lindsay. And she told me that she worked for a Xerox company that was in sales. And she made so much money. And she was like, just come work for us. You're going to love it. You're going to make so much money. And I did. And it was great. It was great money. But I also felt like I was um in the golden handcuffs so to speak because you would have like all of these really good deals coming up but at the same time i could foresee the industry on a downtick and not growing and i said i feel like my position's going to be eliminated within the next several years maybe 10 years Smart. And printing is not how it used to be. We're in more of a digital age. And we mm-hmm. keep saying the word paperless. I don't think we'll ever be fully paperless, but right. um, the, the trend was not in my favor. Right. <laughs> so I kind of, I revamped and I had, I really, um I would say I gave up on my dream for several years because I was working in sales for about three and a half years and other positions that I was applying to were all sales. And I didn't really know how to get out of sales or what other skills I had besides selling, besides a rehab tech of, of helping people. I worked with stroke and traumatic brain injury. And so I got my certification, my 200 hour registered yoga uh, instructor Mm -hmm. certification. And then I started teaching classes on the side and then I made the jump to move up to Philly on a whim. Didn't have a job, made a commission check that paid, um, made a commission check that paid for my entire rent for the year. So I was like, you know what? Screw it! I'm just gonna go up there and figure it out. <laughs> and that's really when I started um, volunteering a lot with the American Heart Association because I had the time. <laughs> but then I I got my personal training certification, so I was teaching yoga, personal training, and I had like I probably had like 50 different jobs. It's like walking dogs with a <laughs> bag and robots. Oh wow!
0: <laughs> yeah, like
1: I was just doing the most oddball things just to make some cash, <laughs> and then uh, hustling. Yeah, yeah, definitely hustling. And my when I was in this transition period, um, I was really trying to nail down like, what am I passionate about? What do I want to do with my life? And my family and my ex-boyfriend and a bunch of other people in my life kept bringing up occupational therapy again. And they said, whenever you talked about OT, like you just lit up and you could really tell that you were passionate about it. So why not give it another try? And I was like, well, I already applied twice. Like I'm going to look like a, a big, idiot if I like can't get in for the third time you know and so I had several people look over my personal statement um I did mock interviews um I like I mentioned earlier my um my advice that I was given was to reach out to schools and talk to them just one-on-one and ask for a tour but also um, get to know the program that you're applying to. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like a lot of times you kind of just throw out these applications and you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. So yep. I wanted to actually see the facility, meet the professors, meet the, the people that would be instructing me. And then I said, um, you know, here's my story and this is why I'm applying. What are the skills and the qualifications that you're looking for in an applicant? And then I took their advice and I followed up on it. So if somebody told me that I needed to take physics as a prerequisite, I sent them a screenshot of me enrolling in physics. And Yeah, so I just had like those several touch points throughout the entire process, because like I said, it's a it's a year long process. So it's very long. And And it's, I guess it's pretty easy for someone to get lost in the shuffle or be forgotten about. So I just really wanted to make sure that I stood out from other applicants. And in doing so, I think that really set me apart from other people because I didn't get any denials. I got waitlisted at a couple programs, um, and then I got waitlisted at the current place that I'm at. But they um, took me off the waitlist early April, and I had already put a deposit in on another school. I was going there. I was going to wow. commute from my parents' house. Like I, yeah, I was like all in, and I was like, well, my dream school accepted me. So uh-huh.
0: I have to go. Wow. Wow. You just laid down the whole journey. <laughs> yeah, that,
1: I mean, you asked yeah. for the journey. I am. Yeah. I'm just yeah. The killer, so. <laughs> no, I love
0: it. Love it. Love how you dived into like your thought process also before you started going back into applying or figuring out what you wanted to do and having family kind of be also, you know, not, not in your ear, but sort of the voices to help motivate you to get back in, you know, in your track. And so. Yeah. Um, you know, um I feel, like,
1: I feel like it's really um you you get discouraged after you apply yeah. a couple of times and then you just keep getting either waitlisted or flat out denied and you don't understand why. And mm. so I just I feel like I didn't have that courage to reapply again, but like my family, my friends kept telling me that I should do it and It was like, finally, I believed in myself enough to be like, okay, I'm going all in and this is how it's going to (laughs) look.
0: Right. That's absolutely inspiring. And I'm really glad that you had shared that there was those times of feeling discouraged, but you were persistent at it. You know, we talked about this before our pod convo, you know, you were definitely... Persistent with like the admissions counselors or, you know, the folks that you're reaching out to, even if it wasn't part of the application process of getting into your program or school, you still had sent that email out to the professor and admission counselor. Hey, you know, want to, you know meet up or have you know coffee or an interview or talk or you know and just identify like what can you do to be a, a well-rounded applicant or candidate to get into the school um you didn't bring this up but you talk about driving you even drove a couple hours into i think you said pennsylvania like to go okay. meet with with someone else at one of the you know at the schools you're applying for so that's really just being you know on top of it and also being like, you know, just a never give up and you're, and also just a strategist about it. You know, people, the counselors, they want to see, you know, and I think you knew this, they want to see who was going to raise their hand the most or most motivated or who really, really wanted it. And, you know, yeah. um, you said it before this pod convo is like, you know, they, they don't want someone that's like, you know, not their heart's not in it. You know, you, they want mm-hmm. someone that's fully committed all the way through. So you show that clearly shows that none of the schools sent you a, a decliner. That's unheard of, you know, that, <laughs> well, what'd you say? Like before this, like 10, um, 10, 10 schools that, yeah. yeah. And so you, you know, from go- being, from being discouraged to having 10 schools accept you that really showed how many miles you had traveled in your, you know, in your life, in your mind and your in the will to like, you know, make it happen. You made it all happen. And that's so, that really is inspiring, especially for those uh, folks that are friends, our peers that are around our age that are looking to finally make the full lockstep jump into the career they want to get into is, um, you know, you're in it now. And that's yeah. exciting. My final question here. So um, it's again, you've given so much advice, you know, throughout all of your journey and story. Uh, You know, from, from literally when you were born up until now, literally bounce back time and time again, sorry to say it's cliche thing, but you clearly have shown that time and time again, but you know, broader, if there's one big piece of advice you can share with the audience, I think you knew this question was coming. If there's one big piece of advice you can share with the audience, what would that be?
1: Stay proactive and on top of your health as much as you can, because you just don't know what's coming down for you along your life in the pipeline. And the sooner that you can either diagnose it or notice little changes in your health, the better. Um, Because heart disease is the number one killer of men and women in the United States. I think maybe even the world. Um, And it's extremely preventable. (laughs) That's extremely preventable. So it's, that's, that's probably my number one advice for you guys is to just, I know. And the hard part is right. It's like, well, I'm healthy. There's no reason to go to the doctor. I don't want to pay for the copay or whatever the excuse is. Right. Like I've been there too. I'm guilty of doing it. Um, Same. Yeah. yeah, Like I, I think it's, it's very human of us to say, well, there's nothing wrong. Why should I go to the doctor? Um, But there's things that I've mentioned before, like your heart rate, your blood pressure, all the blood work results that you can't, you can't internalize. You can't tell how your body is doing from that blood work standpoint, from those, those things that you need to have medical tests done. So the sooner that you can get those results back. And then just like you said earlier, you noticed your blood pressure was high. Then you started working out more, you ate a little bit healthier and now you're good to go. So who knows what would have happened if you continued down that path, Mm -hmm. right? And then maybe five, 10 years from now you ended up having a heart attack. You just never know. Um, So the more that we can stay on top of it i think the better
0: all right devin well i want to ask one more last question before we sign off i th- I know i said that was the last question but i actually have another one so last question before we sign off devin if you were a mad scientist and can possess people what would you make them do i think we can tell what you would make them do based on your last response
1: yeah I would force them to all go to the doctor
0: (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) all right if it it wasn't that answer that that's the first thing you would do what would be another thing you could do to possess them I
1: would say to stay as active as you can like I'd have like some sort of like chip in someone's brain right if i was a mad scientist and then i would say okay like every like how your your apple watch or your fitbit like buzzes and says you need to stand up like no you're just standing up and you're walking around and you're doing a lap and then you can sit back down at your computer because i think that like the the zoom fatigue all the um electronic meetings or internet meetings that we're having now It's just like we hop on our computers all day long and we are just like so tight and we're we don't have the energy, the mental energy or capacity to then work out. So we need a little chip to say, all right, let's get moving.
0: There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Get get everyone to run a marathon together. <laughs> all all four hundred thousand or four hundred million uh citizens of the US, we can all run a marathon across the country. Get, get yeah. The, get the chips. You're like us.
1: Forrest Gump.
0: forrest Gump. There you go. Oh man. That's a that's a different level right there.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: We may not get anything done. Yeah. Anything sure. accomplished. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Devin, I'm going to put a closer for you. I want to say thank you so much for joining the show. It was a pleasure and honor to hear the most meaningful story about when you had congenial heart disease, when you were very young, your older sister too. Our thoughts, you know, our, my thoughts are with her as well. You know, you know, I know she's guy, she, you know, maybe Loda, you know, or you knew this the whole time. She's guiding you throughout everything. And, you know, yeah. you overcame... Insurmountable odds before you even knew what odds were, you know, when you're (laughs) a baby and you're young. So, you know, taking care of yourself now raising awareness for heart health among women and everyone, something that is so underscored, like I've said, but it's everything in our lives to take care of ourselves uh, throughout the years as we, you know, go through the entire cycle of life. Um, You know, stress, diet, lack of exercise, it all adds up everyone. So don't think that if you're young, you're invincible, like Devin said, always get checked up, always be conscious, put health first. You know, Devin, you're showing that it needs to be prioritized more than more than we all know. And again, Devin, it was a pleasure. We learned so much from you. We definitely learned so much from you and we will keep in touch in the months ahead.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, James. I really appreciate the opportunity to to be on.
0: Tune in next week for our next guest, Tina Fan, who will walk through her long journey settling in New York City and finding greater purpose in life. Please feel free to reach out to any of the guests as always. All right, everyone, stay safe, smiles up, big laughs, positive energy all around. Thank you all for tuning in. She's Devin, I'm James. See you all next week.